0: Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. All right, all right, good morning again. It's good to see all of you here today. Thank you so much, praise team. Man, I'm telling you, so many lyrics and all those songs just fit so perfect with uh, the message today. I mean... Open our eyes, God, that we may see you and see where you're working. Uh, Forsaking all, I surrender all. I mean, just so many great things. Thank you so much for preparing our hearts for worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, find James chapter 14. And I do hope you have your Bibles. James chapter... Excuse me, James 4 today. There's not 14 James, are there? All right, just checking. All right, make sure you just listen. James chapter 4 today. Hey, we had a great time last week at our bowling bash for uh, young couples and folks who have... Children, we had a, had a wonderful time together. I'm not sure who the highest bowler was, but uh, I, I did see some unique styles of bowling. And so it, it was a lot of fun. Had a good, good time. And we'll be doing some more of those things together in the future. So we hope that uh, you'll keep your eyes and ears open for those things. And of course, yesterday marked the beginning of a new small group discussion with the start of college football, right? I mean, every small group is going to be talking about it for the next several months. And, of course, you, all, people say, what are you wearing that for? I always wear it at the opening weekend, and I hope to wear it at the closing weekend. Last year, I had to wear a different version of it, but that's okay. We've got a new season this year, and so uh, that'll be the topic, and, and a, lot, a lot of people will be talking about And, look, we're going to have a great time. We're going to have lots of fun throughout the college football season. And when it ends... All the losers will say it was just a game. But the rest of us know different, right? It's more than a game. And that's the way a lot of people, you know, really, they go about life. They look at life, as, it's like a game. You know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But in this current series that we're talking about called The Dash, and what are you doing with yours, it's causing us to rethink. It's causing us to refocus a little bit, not only about living, but about dying. And so this dash that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, if you're new today, it's not how busy we are. It's really it is that hyphen that is in between your date of birth and your date of death. And we've said you have nothing to say about your date of birth and little, if anything, to say about your date of death. But what you do control is what you do with your dash. How you spend your time here on this earth and whether you're going to waste it or whether you're going to invest it well and make a difference And other people's lives. And you've been hearing me every week talk about our goal in this series is to hopefully get you and motivate you to recalibrate your priorities so that you are living your dash and living your life in a way that lines up with the consistent Word of God about how brief life really is. Because our dash is not very long. We've heard from several people in the Bible already about what they think about the priorities in life ought to be. We've heard from Moses. We've heard from Paul. Last week, we heard from Jesus. And today, we're going to hear from James, the brother of Jesus, who throughout this entire letter, it was written now, remember, several years later after Jesus was crucified. And James comes along, and he reminds all those who would be followers of Jesus that they're going to need a faith that really works, okay? Just a mental faith is not going to cut it. Just a verbal faith is going to be insufficient. And so James stresses throughout his entire letter that this genuine faith that you need is going to be lived out every single day. And that when you do that, it's going to come out in your life. It can't help but come out this real kind of faith. Otherwise, it's not really faith at all. And so in this particular portion of the letter, James is addressing the crowd that Luke was addressing a lot. Maybe different people, but it's the same kind of crowd. It's the affluent crowd. It's those who were part of the business world of that particular day. And we've talked about in this series about how that business and our careers at least have the propensity all right, to distract us from the brevity of life. It doesn't always... But it has the propensity to do so. And you know why? It's because we are simply too busy to think about dying. We're too busy. Well, we've been looking at James chapter 4, verse 14 is our key verse. Today, I want us to start in verse 13. Look at it with me together. James chapter 4, verse 13. Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do And then not do it. You see, earlier in in his letter here, James describes two kinds of wisdom. He describes the wisdom of the world, and then he describes the wisdom of God. And I don't see anywhere the wisdom of the world more so than we see it in the marketplace or the business world. And here in chapter 4, James is addressing this business crowd, and we know he is because he uses business-like terms. He says, today or tomorrow, which means you're thinking ahead. He says, go to a town and stay for a year. Make some money. Do some business. And then he proceeds to give us some Labor Day lessons, so to speak. He reminds them about the brevity of life how short life really is. And then he gives them some godly wisdom to go along with their earthly wisdom because, again, these were smart people. They were business people. They were marketplace people. But he reminds them that they are not actually in control of their future like they would like to think that they are. Now, I don't believe for one second that God is telling us that we should not make plans. Don't, don't hear that, okay? God's not saying that we shouldn't think ahead or work hard For what we do. I don't believe that at all. But what he is clearly saying is don't make these plans without him. Don't make those plans for the future without him. If the Lord wants us to go to that town for a year, that's what I'm planning to do. If the Lord wants me to do business and make some money, that's what I'm planning to do. But when you plan without God, he says those are called pretentious plans. Because, see, truth is, life is not to be managed. Life just won't let you manage it. You see, our dash is unpredictable regardless of all the planning that we might try to do. I mean, who knew that you would have to cook at home, not because you wanted to, but because there were no restaurants open to do it for you? Who knew that church doors would be closed? And we wouldn't be meeting in America. Who knew that you could not be present at the hospital room with your loved one who was dying? Or that you would have to go see your loved one in a nursing home and stand outside the window to do it? Not to mention the things that are still ongoing now. Hurricanes. Tornadoes. War, the death of a loved one, they also have a tendency to suddenly change your plan. So James is saying that when we feel certain that we can control our life by our own labor and our own effort to get us to where we need to be, that we are bordering on being arrogant with God. And it will eventually lead us to a life without God, to live in our dash without God. And then James says, to do so is evil and that it is sin. And we all know we shouldn't be doing it, right? But we struggle with it, or at least I do struggle with it. And so I believe James is trying to help us out here. He's trying to help us with that tension of what we talked about a few weeks ago about the tension we have between wanting to live the good life and wanting to live a good life. And James is trying to give some great advice on how to do both because God wants us to have the abundant life here on earth as well as after this life on earth. So James encourages us. He encourages us today to build on a solid foundation, one that makes plans and then labors to build that life, but we do it knowing that we need to have some contingencies, right? So if you're taking notes, write this down. James says, build your life with fog fog. In the forecast build your life with fog in the forecast most all of us has have to deal deal with fog we had an actual warning came out in the forecast this past week right we've dealt with it before whether it's driving early to school or to work or whether it's on a hunting trip or maybe it was on the river when you were going out to fish early one morning but we you know what when we live in the fog that is we don't just cancel school You know, or work because of fog, we drive through the fog, right? We live in the fog. We don't just cancel the hunting trip or the fishing trip. We live in that fog. But you know what we do when we're living in that fog? We slow our roll just a little bit. Right? We take some extra time getting there. We give ourselves some extra time to maybe see the dangers that are ahead. And you know what? If we got lights. We will use them, but early on, we don't know better, and so we use our bright lights because we think that'll do better, and we all have learned that makes it worse, right? You have to put your dim lights on, and if you have your cars equipped with fog lights, that even helps better. Most of you don't even know how to turn them on, okay? You might want to know that. It's foggy times these days. And so what James does, he comes along here, and he gives us three Labor Day lessons that'll help us live our dash. But to do so by keeping in mind it's just a fog. It's unpredictable, it's unreliable, and it's uncertain except for the fact that it's going to be very brief. So Labor Day lesson number one, we talked about it a little bit before, we will to talk about it more today, and that's God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. And again, I don't think James is condemning or criticizing Foresight. You know, if you're laboring out there in the business world and you want to be successful, then you quickly learn how to make good judgment calls, and you're always thinking ahead or otherwise you're not going to be very successful. And Proverbs 21, verse 5 of the book of Wisdom says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. But look, our culture today is a world of shortcuts. we got an app for everything to make everything shorter, Right? Look, folks, it wasn't raining when Noah started building the ark. And it's not wrong to have a savings account. You should. It's not wrong to plan ahead and save up for your children's college fund if you're able to do so. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having insurance policies or to have a retirement plan. Nothing wrong with that. But you do it with the understanding that your dash does not recognize your authority. You're not in control You're not master of your dash. Only God can make fixed plans. And look, our our lives are constantly affected by things we can't control. It's health issues. You know, talked a few weeks ago about being in that club where you can hurt yourself sleeping. Because you wake up in the morning, something's wrong. You don't know how you did. You just woke up that way, right? We have health issues. We have economic issues that are out of our control. Every time I drive by the gas pump, I just want to control the thing. You know, pick one. Stay with it. Man, I should have bought gas yesterday. It was 10 cents cheaper. And then I get to figuring out, well, 10 cents times 10 gallons, that's only a dollar. Quit getting so bent out of shape. I ain't mean, come home. <laughs> you did that too one day, didn't you? All right, yeah. We have relational issues. We have no control over all. We can do control our own self, right? We can't control the others around us. See, we as humans, we are always having to make constant changes to our dash that we have no control over. A fork will come in the road. A detour will be placed there. And a change of direction will have to be made. And we didn't ask for that detour. But our path path led us down that road anyway. See, only God can announce the future without wondering if it will become reality. Only God can do that. That's why James says, if... The Lord wants us to. That's his Labor Day lesson, is that we should constantly have that on our mind. If the Lord is willing, if the Lord wants us to. Now, what does James mean by that exactly? Well, for us, you need to be willing to live out your dash, and here's the key, without complaining to adjust to the new possibilities when those forks come down your road. And when the detours are put in your path, because look, they're coming. Life is filled with them. You're not going to avoid the fork. You're not going to avoid the detour. The question is, and the only thing you can control is, are you going to go down that path complaining the whole darn way? Or if you're going to do it, knowing that the Lord might have something going on. Acts 18, verse 21. Let's look at how Paul lived out this attitude. He was in Corinth, and he was about to leave, and the people there wanted him to stay. And he said, you know what? As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail from Ephesus. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 7. He says, this time, I don't want to make just a short visit and then go right on. I want to come and stay a while, if the Lord will let me. And then Romans chapter 1, verse 10, he says, One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. Do you notice something in common there? It was all in red, just in case you might miss it, all right? Here is one of the greatest missionaries ever to walk on the planet Earth. And he is on mission for God. But he is constantly aware, while on mission, of God's sovereignty, of God's timing, and of God's will for his path. And he is aware every day that he labors and living his dash that he is laboring for God's agenda and not his own agenda. When he says, God willing, he means a lot more than, thank you, Lord, for this day. Or now I lay me down to sleep, or in Jesus' name I pray. It is a constant surrender to God's sovereignty. That's what we were singing about this morning. A constant surrender to God's sovereignty is an excellent practice for every one of us here today and watching by television or online, or listening to this podcast, that you make sure that you live every day understanding who is the master of your dash. And it's not you. And I think God is reminding us all as members of Eastern Heights at this particular season in our ministry, to each other, as members, and to our community outside of these walls, what Proverbs 16, 9 says. We can make Our plans as Eastern Heights, but the Lord determines our steps. Have we not made plans only to see them change? Absolutely. And some of you say a lot more often than they should have maybe. You know what? Some of you'd even ask, some of you'd ask, did we miss God's plan?" I don't think so. Not for one second. In his sovereignty, he determines our steps. He determines our direction. And he determines our path. Yes, our attitude here at Eastern Heights to live out our steps without complaining about God's sovereignty and adjusting to the new possibilities is crucial to God's future here at this church becoming the reality that only He can guarantee. I can't guarantee the future. Can you? Somebody say, yeah, just ask me. Only God can guarantee it. Because, see, it's important, though, that we follow God's steps that he gives us because our steps are few. They are limited and they're brief. And so I can't tell you as pastor how comforting it is for me to know that God is the one guiding them. That they don't have to be mine. I don't have to come up with the steps. We'll make our plans and I'll be a part of giving direction toward that. I believe that's what God's called me to do. And God's brought up leaders and raised up leaders here in our church to help with those decisions. But you know what? Ultimately, it's God who is going to direct the steps of those plans. And we're going to adjust to them. And when the detour comes, we're going to take it. And when the fork comes, we're going to take that one too. And we're going to make the best choice we can to stay on God's path. And so God's sovereignty is a huge part of Labor Day lesson number one from James. second one is this. Again, life is short. Life is short. You see, fog doesn't have the foggiest idea how long it's going to be around. Right? Proverbs 27.1, Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. That's what James is trying to teach us about Labor Day weekend. It's not wrong to be involved in the marketplace or the business world. It's not wrong to make plans for the future. He's just saying that he thinks it's wrong for you to try to control everything and every step in your future. That's the part you can't do. Look again at our key verse, verse 14. 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Remember back, some of you, some of you won't, but back in 2007, a great movie came out called The Bucket List. Remember that? With Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, and they were both terminally ill patients. And they decided they were going to travel the world with the days that they had left. And what they were going to do is they were going to check off all the things on Morgan Freeman's list that he wanted to get done before he died, right? And some of those things were just simple things like seeing some of the sights of the world. But then some of them were more important things like, you know, uh, that he had taken for granted over the years, like helping out strangers or rebuilding a family relationship that had got got sideways a little bit. You know, everybody loved the movie because it made us all think about the things that were important in life that we normally are too busy to think about. But James is reminding us there's no guarantee of a warning that your dash is about to end not all of us get this signal that we've got six months to a year we don't know what tomorrow's gonna break we don't know that we're gonna get home safe today I shared with you before one of my great friends went to seminary with him we ended up serving two churches together he got colon cancer and I asked him one day I said Waller that was his name he always said Waller? he said yeah just like in the mud and uh, I said Waller? I said, You've been given, you know, a few months. Of, what's going through your mind? He said, well, I think about the same things you do, my family, my friends, you know, the important things of life, who I need to tell that I love and who I appreciate. And He went on all those kind of important things, you know. He, and then he turned to me and he said something that I'll never forget. Shocked me out of my socks. He said, you know what? He said, you don't have the promise. You will get home today. You might die before I do. Man, I thought about that all the way home because I was on I-16 in 95 trying to get from Savannah to Pugler at that time. That's a good place to get killed. There's no promise that we're going to get old. Err. Knowing that our dash is such a limited resource really ought to motivate us to recalibrate our priorities. Now, we can't control our date of birth. We can't control our date of death. But what we can control is our life right now at this moment. Don't waste your dash making bucket lists. Start doing the important things right now, folks. I had a pastor years ago, he had a lot of sayings, but one of them he liked to say all the time, and well, I'll never forget it, he said, dead noses smell no roses. And what he was saying by that is, if there's somebody that's important in your life, you need to let them know that now. Don't wait until their dead. show up at their funeral and put a rose on their casket. Tell them now. You see, most people don't waste their life by what they're doing. They waste their life by what they never get around to doing. So maybe James is reminding us again today that today is the day like it was a few weeks ago to make someday today. Because life is short. Labor Day lesson number three. I want to talk about this important thing. The importance of now for just a few more minutes. The importance of now. You see, I've always had a little trouble figuring out how this last verse fit into this discussion that James is trying to have with the Christians of that day and then us today. But now I I think I understand it just a little bit more. Look at it in verse 17. He goes on about the brevity of life and how we don't have the promise of tomorrow and all this kind of stuff. Then he says, Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Now, I've heard this verse used many, many times, right? Most of the time it's been way out of context, all right? But I think if we actually keep it in context, we can see why James wraps up his thoughts on the brevity of life with this verse. Because what James is saying is that we are all so obsessed with what we're going to do tomorrow. We're so obsessed with what we're going to do next week. And we're so obsessed with what we're going to do next year that we're missing the moment of right now. And we're all guilty of it. There is the important good things that we need to do today. But you know what? We're not doing them now because we're waiting on later. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. It's another one of those coffee mug t-shirts saying that's actually Too true and that is life is what's happening while you're making plans you ever heard that when leading the American troops during World War II General MacArthur went to his engineers he said guys how long would it take to build a bridge over this certain river so that our troops can get to where they need to be his engineers came back and said sir it'll take three days to build that bridge, he says, "Well, start making your plans." He came back three days later and he says, "Guys, do you have the plans for the bridge?" They said, "No, sir." And he had a shocked look on his face. Said, "Now we built the bridge. It's ready to go. But if you want plans, it's going to take a lot longer than three days. But the bridge is built. See, you have them now. They didn't need plans. They needed a bridge." And I believe that you have time to do all that God wants you to do right now. And all James is trying to tell us is to recognize the importance of now. You know, most all of us have had those times when, you know, we said, Wow, God sure showed up today, didn't he? Man, that was awesome. We've all had those moments where we said, we were so inspired by God. We said, Ooh, that was good, man. That was so good. But you know what? The more accurate biblical perspective is realizing God's presence in every single moment. Because you know what? God never sleeps. He never slumbers. And I wonder how many times that we have missed God in the now. You're living your dash now. God is directing the steps of your dash now, and I don't know about you, but recognizing the importance of now does not come easy for me, all right? Just a little transparency coming forth, okay? We can't edit this, right? All right, (laughs) delete this. Anyway, a little transparency. My spiritual gift is primarily administration, which means that my mind works in steps, I analyze things, and I make a plan. It might not be a good plan. It might not be the right plan. But I will have a plan, and it'll be laid out in steps, will it not? Miss Katie. Katie knows. Katie's not my wife. She's my trip wife. She's been on every trip. She knows I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to have a contingency plan, and I'll have a contingency plan for the contingency plan, all right? That's just the way my mind works. It starts from the moment I wake up till the time when I finally can fall asleep. And when something comes along and it changes my plan, I get very distraught, all right? I get bent out of shape. Any kind of interruption or distraction, it frustrates the living world out of me, Okay? And my sweet, loving wife, Amanda, who is in Alabama with her dad, who's going to have knee surgery replacement this week, pray for him and pray for her, too, uh, taking care of him. But my sweet, loving wife, she literally has to step in front of me on occasion to stop me and to get my attention because when I'm on task, when I'm working my plans and my steps to those plans, I'm laser-focused, Right? And so when she steps in front of me and she stops me, that's my cue. That's my cue that I've forgotten. She is part of my plan. She's part of my agenda. And she's not wanting to stop me to, you know, drop everything and take her out to dinner, all right? But she is saying, I need my eight seconds. Some of you ladies laugh because you read the same article, too. I missed it, all right? I didn't see the article. It didn't tick-tock on my phone. I don't know. But somewhere it came out that a woman needs a a hug that lasts for at least eight seconds a day. All right? And so that's a practice we have now. And she'll get in front of me if I forget about it, and she'll get her eight seconds in. And so not everyone here, I, I understand that not all of you are that intense in how you operate. But I think we'll all agree that we do get a little bit bent out of shape when something or someone comes along and changes our direction or changes our course, and we have to adjust our plans, even if it's something simple. But you know what? If we could ever grasp the importance of now, and that God is sovereign and in control of all of our dash, not just what we plan for, then I think we could be a little bit more patient and in tune with those daily interruptions that are God ordained and I'm telling you that's hard for me maybe it's hard for you but it doesn't take away the importance of realizing the importance of now we all need to do it because every day is filled with detours and exit ramps that we didn't plan for right I've always been amazed at how calmly Jesus handled daily interruptions like a baby that cries in the middle of the service right it happens Especially if you have babies. Right? Nothing wrong with that. That's good stuff. All right? But Jesus handled daily interruptions. And you know, when I, when I think about it, he only had three and a half years to accomplish his mission. I would have felt this sense of urgency to stick to the plan. Right? Like I just explained. But people were constantly coming up and interrupting Jesus. Right? And it frustrated the disciples to no end. I would have been Peter. I would have been ranting and raving every time the plan was interrupted by something. I'd be going, get, get on out of here. You know, we, we got stuff. We on mission. But G- Jesus, he realized the importance of now. And those interruptions weren't keeping him from his work. Those interruptions were his work. And so it could be for our life. You see, now was the time to help the helpless. Now was the time to heal the sick. Now was the time to listen to those without a voice. Now was the time for Jesus to accomplish all that God wanted him to accomplish, interruptions and all. And so just as it is truth for our daily lives I believe it's the truth for the dash of Eastern Heights Baptist Church let's not see the interruptions to our plans as keeping us from doing God's work but rather see them as God's work for right now and while we make Plans for the future. We understand God will direct our steps. As Eastern Heights that we understand the importance of now. Now is the time that God has given us. Right now. Now is when the ministries that we have going on are being used by God. Right now. Not three years ago, not ten years ago, not ten years down the road, right now. And now is still life-changing for those who are spiritually aware of God's presence enough to be in the now of every moment. God's still changing lives right now, amen? So we'll make our plans. But God will direct our steps. Now, next week, we're going to wrap up The Dash. And I hope that you'll be back. I hope that you'll invite someone to come with you because to next week's title is called Press Your Luck. And if you've never seen the game show, you've got a week to look it up on YouTube or wherever you want to go. But watch at least one episode of Press Your Luck so you'll know what a whammy is. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. Well, today we're going to close out our service a little bit different. Than we normally do, and uh, and we're going to ask that the Honeycuts come forward. And uh, she's so lovingly, she's right there, Dylan. You don't have to run. She's, she's, she is not gone far. Come on up here, Barry. No, no y'all stay down there. You don't have to walk up here. I'm going to ask Richard Cleveland. He is our incoming new chairman of Deacons, and he has worked with uh, Dylan since almost the day Dylan got here with our student ministry, and today is Dylan and uh, Katie's last day, along with Barry and beautiful Jesse there, who loves to chew on everything, and uh, you know, Dylan has affected a lot of lives. Dylan's going to be getting emails and text a month from now, a year from now. Dylan, you're going to get some five years from now. You're going to go, ooh, what? You're going to get some life-changing things because you've changed lives while you're here, and we're grateful. Katie, same for you. You've invested your life in this ministry as well, and God's blessed you with two beautiful children. So they're leaving to go back to Florida to be closer to their family. And uh, I've asked Richard if he would to lead us in a prayer of blessing over them as they do so. And then they're going to hang out here in the gym after our band. Uh, finishes out this morning, because got, Richard's got to get back up here on the cello, and Dylan's got to get back up here on the drums, and, and so um, so we're going to have that prayer blessing, and then they'll close us out, and they'll be hanging around here in the gym if you'd like to share a word of encouragement with them and to them. Richard?
1: Morning, church. If you weren't here Wednesday night when we had a time with the youth, um, You might have heard, you you missed youth saying that, how can we ever find anyone as cool as you? And now I don't know how long it's been since you had teenagers in the house, but translation, the subtitles would say, we're gonna miss you, and you made a difference in our lives. That's teenage speak. Um, And so as we pray, I know it's been a while since we've done this, I'm gonna ask deacons, youth, uh, members of church, um, as you're comfortable, to come on up as we pray and stand next to Dylan and Katie and their family. Uh, as we all bow our heads, um, and we're going to pray um, together, we're commanded to come together in fellowship, and this time of fellowship is what gives us accountability, it's how we grow, it's how we affect each other, but there's also times of going out, and just as Nikki just said, um, their ministry will continue in the now, in the now of loading a truck, in the now of driving down there, in the now of figuring out what's next. So again, uh, there's a couple deacons, church members, come forward. Uh, let's pray with them. And then if you join me and bow your heads and let's pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your servants, Dylan and Katie. We thank you for the uncontainable joy and energy of Barry. We thank you for this beautiful creation, Jesse. Lord, we thank you that in our short dash you have brought them into our lives lord and we thank you for the incredible incredible mark that they have placed on our youth here and lord our hearts are sad and yet we smile with joy and we know that this is this is not the end lord this is um the next step the next chapter in um yes as nikki said of our our life and our ministry here at eastern heights lord but all the more what you are going to do with dylan and katie lord and yeah the lives here on on our short time on earth lord but the eternal the eternal ramifications that their life their ministry their laughing with teenagers and modeling what it is to live a life of faith or the eternal ramifications it's going to have for your kingdom lord, we just pray for safety mercies traveling mercies as they move and we pray that you would just give them peace lord peace that passes all understanding. And all God's people with one voice said, Amen.
0: We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.